0: Welcome to Founders Unfiltered by a junior VC. We are your hosts, Marzin and Aviral. Aviral, I've always wondered, do investors fund college students?
1: I think that's a good question and there's no straight answer to it. Two key areas that tend to be issues and like fundamentally exist with founders who are still college students. The first is how will they be able to manage it along with studying in college? Many of these founders are studying at colleges where there's a lot of academic pressure and load. Can you actually run a company on the side? It's not something that you can do on the side. So that's that's one. The second is, how would you actually think the student entrepreneur will do at the end of their college journey? Will they take up a job or will they continue their startup? It's a a tough question uh, to answer because of these two reasons. I actually was a student entrepreneur myself. It's a lesser known fact. Um, I was working on this company called Education Edge, which was a college magazine for students in non-metros. And the goal was to actually bridge the gap for students in metros with students in non-metros. And I did that for around a year and a half. But... After, you know, some of my team members who were my seniors, they were about to graduate. They ended up taking up their jobs and the startup, you know, uh, went into cold storage after that. So that really was the second reason and why an investor would find it difficult to uh, fund a founder who's a student. But that does not mean that, you know, it's never happened. Uh, the biggest example in the and the most famous example in the tech world is obviously Mark Zuckerberg. And Facebook. Um, he actually did drop out of college. So he technically was not a student, but he did it during his days there. And there is just so much energy when you're a student entrepreneur that if you really do it right, you can build a very big company. We had the privilege of speaking to once a student entrepreneur who's actually now graduated and running uh, his company when we spoke to Kush at FanPay.
0: In this episode, we speak to Kush, the, the founder and CEO of FanPay, about how he built his company while he was still in college. Khush decided that he wanted to start a company instead of looking for a job. He realized that teenagers still get pocket money in cash, even though they're digital natives. So he spoke to several fintech founders about how they started. All of them raised money first to build a product, comply with regulations, and then market their product. But Khush was determined to make it work. He knew he had to find a way to build and get users before he could raise money. He built Fampay with sheer determination and hustle. Today, just 1 year after Kush graduated from college, Fampay brings cashless convenience to millions of teens and their parents. Please enjoy our conversation with Kush about his incredible entrepreneurial journey.
1: Kush, so you have a very interesting and unique background. Could you tell us a little bit about why you decided and how you decided to start Fampay?
2: So the decision to start Fampay was accidental to be honest. The decision was to start a company because I was unable to find a reason why shouldn't I do it, right? Absolutely no reason to, start, to not start a company. I remember it was a placement season at IIT RootKey, I'm talking about December 2018. All of my friends were occupied preparing for interviews. And I, on the other hand, went to Bangalore, totally clueless, and randomly went to Razorpay's conference, FTX, with no single idea about, you know, fintech industry. Kunal Shah was always an inspiration after I saw Delta 4, So he was a speaker there. I also met him and, you know, he was mentioning there are 14-year-old CTOs at every household in India. Uh, So I started observing and I was also reading this famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad at that time, which speaks about personal finance and cash flow. So I was observing the peers around me who were, you know, unable to connect their passion with the source of money that is their career. And when you think deeply, they were unable to do it because from the childhood itself, nobody, not school, no parents ever taught them how to manage money or at least how to spend actually, right? So I had two contradictory facts in my mind. First, Indian teenagers are bound to take physical cash from parents whenever required so which makes the parents the decision maker and teenagers not learn about money or making decisions for themselves. And the second fact is the youth is the most tech savvy audience out there on internet and it contributes to the most of the technical decisions which are held in the household as Kunal Shah mentioned, mentioned. Right? So they help in buying a fridge or maybe paying bills. They teach their parents and grandmothers to do stuff on the internet. It kept me thinking what if I connect both if I provide teenagers financial education and their first digital bank account at the same time. I mean, connecting their money with experience is the value. It will obviously affect the new generation's perspective towards money. But if you think deeply, it is an opportunity to redefine entire payment behavior in India. It is an opportunity for businesses to target a completely new market, which is huge. Right now, they don't have their own bank accounts. They're not doing digital payments, and the number is huge. If you ask me the number, there is... There are around 250 million teenagers in India, right? And uh, out of that, around 120 million are active on internet. They have access to smartphones. So having targeted this audience from the early age gives you a higher LTV, opens up a new market. And at the same time, you can teach them about personal finance, which is a habit building age. And you get a chance to redefine the entire payments behavior, you know, by making it fun, making it more similar to Snapchat rather than WhatsApp way, right? So that is how I thought and you know it was all accidental. I just kept thinking on it. I did started doing research. I talked to around 150 teenagers which I was able to poach through my network in you know ID RootKey and uh, and henceforth. and through that I came to know that most of the teenagers don't even get you know their own pocket money. They have to ask each and every time and they are on cash. So that is how I got started working on FAMPAY and if I have to speak about a little bit about my background, I, I personally don't have any professional experience as per se because I, when I passed out, I started working on this. But in general, I did internship at uh, ShareChat. I worked with Ponto for some time. I I did an intern with 1MG and all, all of the time I was, you know, uh, doing different roles. So I was, you know, always in... In, in a search for flavor of entrepreneurship. So I, start, I I wanted to work with founders. So it was always a general role, but uh, I, I started with engineering as a technical intern at 1MG, a design and a product intern at ShareChat. And in, in while I was working with a lot of early stage startups from YC as well, for example, I was working with Wheel Street at that time. So I was always looking for a flavor of entrepreneurship so that I understood how exactly they run the company. So yeah, it uh, helped a lot in terms of when I started
1: itself. Just when you were starting off, you interviewed a lot of fintech founders to understand the category and the pain point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you hustle? And you know, you mentioned that you don't have any professional experience. You were probably in college or just out of college. Yeah. How did you manage that feat? How did you hustle to look at that?
2: when I, you know, used to attend events which uh, college uh, entrepreneurship cell used to conduct. I used to meet these people. For example, I met a nearby, a uh, nearby's founder. I met Wheelstreet's founder itself. So all these guys, I always reach out to them when I need something. Or I, for example, when I was starting pampa I, I wanted access to FinTech uh, founders, right? So I reached out to Razorpay's founder because he's from IIT Rootki. I asked nearby's founder to connect me, anyone in his network. So similarly, I asked around four or five founders in my network to give me to connect me people in fintech itself. I personally had zero connections in fintech other than RazorPay. So those guys uh, helped me, they connected me and one connection lead to another. And you know, that is how you entirely connect. So I interviewed around four or five fintech founders, including SlicePay. So I I talked to them, I tried to understand uh, how did they start what were the challenges at that time because my always so my approach always from the college itself is to learn from people rather than books and videos. So uh, I, I learned practically either by experimenting or either talking to the people. So at that time I interviewed them and that is how I got access to. Yeah.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about what FAMPA actually does? I think you've mentioned a little bit in terms of what demographic you're targeting, but if you could yeah. dive a little bit and how is it different from what's already there in the market? So uh, in terms of the market, we are talking about they don't have access to,
2: They they only have access to Uh, limited bank accounts with, you know, the traditional banks, you have to go to the branch with your parents and, you know, get a lot of forms signed and then it's not flexible at all. So assuming they don't have any option right now, but I can still obviously talk about competitors. So for me, it is like they are operating on cash right now. So what Fanpay does is they provide the teenagers their first digital only account with a debit card of their own, which they can use to transact online, offline, anywhere. They also get access to UPI as well as they can scan any QR code out there. So this is a bit about FinTech story, you know, basic things which, you know, help them connect their money with the experiences, the value. But if I talk, you know, if I talk more about the way we see it, the way we see it is totally different than right now, If even if millennials are using it. For example, if I use Google Pay right now, I, I see the transaction flow as, you know, standard. I, I select a contact, I add description and then it's done, right? For teenagers, it is a different way. They 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 see each and everything very differently. And you know, it's it's very challenging to target them as well. Because I am personally not a teenager. I I look up to them, right? So for us, we we have tried to make each and every aspect of the transaction journey totally fun. Which which relates to you have heard about Venmo when, you know, in US, which is very popular, people do a transaction with their friends and they share it like you share a story on Instagram or a Facebook, right? So that is a social angle which they brought in Venmo, which went viral, right? So that is how we see it differently in our case as well. In our case, we do a lot of playing with emojis, filters, a lot of things relating to their friends, showing the peers their activity. And at the same time, we have to maintain a sweet balance where parents trust us because teenagers don't earn money, right? So you just connect your bank account like you do in Google Pay and you're done and you can do transactions. In, in the case of teenagers, they have to request money from their parents. It, it's entirely complex because parents are not even taking decisions to give pocket money, right? So the teenager has to take money from the parent. The parent has to see the transactions because he is expecting transparency from us. Then only he'll trust us. Otherwise, he'll happy. he's very happy with giving cash, right? So we have to have a sweet balance between security, simplicity, as well as payments being fun. So that is how we see it. Would
0: would like to talk about the hustle and how you actually did this, how you grew the business and how you, you know, being uh, straight out of school, how did you create that credibility? So to start off with, how did you actually build your MVP and get your first few users? It's challenging, especially with a fintech startup to get licenses and comply with all the regulations. So how did you work around it and just get your product off the ground
2: yeah so first of all uh when i you know i mentioned i talked to fintech founders so you know the thing i learned from them was that okay, you know you need money first then build the prototype and then you can learn from it right because money is required to get licenses get the entire product built and then you can test it out so as i said i interviewed 150 people at that time in in february i guess and uh Obviously, the insight was very clear that and they want a digital means. But at the same time, it was a struggle because they never interacted with such a thing, right? So, I can't interview each and every thing and, you know, understand are exactly what I need. And it was like, I was questioning myself that I'll not be able to be so much driven towards the company if I don't see the MVP or a validated prototype in their hands. Because it is a new thing. I just can't imagine and you know go ahead with building a company itself so that is what we did and you know my goal was i'll not be very much convinced in going ahead and i was alone at that time and i i asked my friend out who's some of uh, my co-founder to help me out because uh, you know we we did a lot of projects in college itself since last four years and i we had a very good synergy and we complement each other so i i asked him and he helped me with the research part and then it was like, and obviously there was learning that you need license and for that license, you need money, a, a little amount of, you know, revenue, your company should be valued this much. And then only banks start talking to you and you get this license and then only you'll be able to create a product, which actually executes a payment. But somehow I was like, I I do And that is what I did. I was a coder, as I mentioned, uh, you know, in the first year I had some bit of experience in terms of coding. So I built the uh, React.js progressive web app myself without payments. And what I did was I I talked to a lot of B2B providers who give uh, payment solutions including Razorpay, Cashfree and other folks, right? And at the same time, I was looking out for open sandboxes and APIs of banks, which I can use, but but there was one interesting concept of uh, Cashfree's payouts. What they think did was take an API to throw out money. So I asked them, I convinced them I'll si I'll do, I'll not publish it anywhere. I'll do it on a private beta basis with an agreement of consent. So they gave me the API to push out money and I built it and the people we researched, we called, interviewed, we gave them the web app and they actually opened the web app every day and started doing transactions at that time because it was the only thing for them because they were totally on cash, right? And we, we learned a lot of insights in terms of while they were using the MVP. So yeah, that is how it worked. Obviously, we had to shut down after a uh, few uses.
0: Once you actually got it up and running, I believe you got to 10,000 users in a really short span of time. So can you tell us yeah. a bit more about how you did that, uh, how you kind of yeah. did referrals, and what your customer acquisition cost ended up being?
2: Yeah, so at that time, we, we applied for YC, and YC happened, so we were more stronger went on ground did a lot of experiments we even went to kota kota has around 1 million students outside of their home dependent on parents for money right a lot of people do uh, money orders there so we went there we did a lot of research we we gave product to few users at that time we realized from that kota that you know kota's market is not ready because the merchants are also not accepting digital payments so we have to build the market itself so we went from there to you know delhi and in delhi we we did few experiments with coaching classes we went out to shopping malls we stopped we literally asked parents and kids out there to you know try it out and uh, give it a shot and let us know how it so that is how we we, we got i guess 2000 to 2500 users by that you know we we did this for 2 3 weeks Two to three weeks and we had on-site support as interns in Gurgaon and Delhi who were helping us to do such on-ground activations and activities. Post that we were like, and hey, obviously we need to raise funds and you know reach YC's demo day. So what is the goal? So we we thought if we had around ten thousand users, it is enough for us to prove that you know we can execute a product we can actually go to the market and maybe our GTM or our approach is validated. Because obviously there was no developer or no designer with me, me and Sambhav and rest intern. We, we were like, okay, hey, 10,000 users, now we have a scalable hack. Don't because I was always a YC and PT's fan, so do things that don't scale was kind of a mantra. So initially to 2500-3000 users tak we did all things which don't scale and we did it manually each and everything. So what we did was we, we, we launched the virtual coin kind of a thing. No real money because we, we knew we can't go to a lot of users with this API because it is uh, not licensed, right? It is like it is the use cases for businesses, not for consumer apps. So we, we thought that wouldn't sakta. Hai. So what we did was we launched the uh, virtual coins currency like a thing. Ke you bring your friends as a referral and you get obviously uh, coins. But the coins was not direct. So you get a spinner and the coins were probabilistic. So that was a kick which users wanted to, you know, check it out uh, when I spin what kind of coins I get. And we were like hey, one coin equal to one INR and you can spend it. So it was totally burned from us. They can't add money on their own. From twenty five hundred to it went to ten thousand in three days because they, they were having a kick to spin the wheel and get coins and then pay it. And obviously, you know, if you imagine teenagers. They, they have no source to earn money right now. So everything they got from, you know, inviting their friends as a referral was huge for them. Because they could go out to maybe buy an ice cream without even asking for parents. So that is how it did. And if it, the second part you asked about the CAC. So the CAC was around 5 to 6 rupees. It was not huge because we were not giving out much money. But it is more for teenagers, you know. 10 rupees for a teenager is so huge.
0: Well, that's still amazing. I mean, getting 10,000 people with a CAC of five, six rupees, it's, it's incredible. Were, were there any other hacks that you'd like to talk about that you used, especially in the early days to to get the business off the ground?
2: Everything was hack, I guess, because uh, ideally we, we had no funds, to be honest. We had no experience, you know, from registering the company to getting the access to the API or increasing our bandwidth in terms of people or, uh, you know, launching the app, in a sense, I didn't spend a single penny on servers as well, right? So everything was hacked. I, I, it, the approach actually doesn't matter. The goal is to just validate it, right?
0: I guess building on that, you spoke about YC a bit and, you know, do things that don't scale. I uh, would like to understand the impact that YC had. What role did it play in your journey? Super. So
2: for me, YC's, YC was everything. So obviously, I read all the essays from PG, I watched all their videos and I was obviously inspired by Razorpay, Misha, and ClearTax and, you know, companies in YC, which were in last 4-5 years, how they were performing. So, in, in terms of, you know, taking decisions, prioritizing, care, doesn't matter anymore. The approach also doesn't matter. The matter, the matter is that okay, I need to validate. that. comes from YC because I learned, I I read through it, I you know, I interacted with the founder. So, and obviously as soon as YC believed, it was like, okay, now I can go ahead, you know, without even thinking. Because obviously before that, as uh, Aviral initially mentioned, you know, it's very uh, hard and it takes a lot of courage to go ahead and, you know, start a company from college it itself. Now it's easier for us to prove ourselves. Now we don't have to worry things about we are in college or we we have to question all those things which we used to. We just have to focus on building this company, solving a problem, that's it. So in that way, YCS helped the fundamentals, how to do a startup. They actually have a how to do a startup playlist on YouTube, which helped me a lot. So they consider examples from different companies and you know showcase uh, how they have achieved this and that. And this was, you know, before YC happened and we went to the program. But post the program, we learned a lot. In fact, while the program, a lot of decisions we took in terms of launching a spinner or a probabilistic coin, all things were. So they have a concept of office hours. So we do weekly office hours with the group partners we have. And we discuss what are the challenges right now we are having and how are we planning to approach it. And they give their advice and they tell us how they think about it. So in that case, a lot of major decisions we took, for example, deciding that 10,000 is a number we want to achieve. Obviously, they also thought that's imaginary. You can't achieve it in one month. It's a huge number. But, uh, you know, we, we always had a debate and things, can we will achieve it? We want it. So everything which, you know, we decided for the three months were in touch with YC and YC helped us with that. And considering fundraise as well, you know, we being young and no clue for KR kaise hoga, Uh, How would we, you know, negotiate and how do we talk to investors? All the things were while the YC journey because what happens is once you you go to the YC program, a lot of investors reach out to you, even if you are a college grad or a school grad, it doesn't matter. They see the list of the companies and they see the founders and they mail you, right? Suppose that it's up to you. Now YC has done their job. It, It was ice breaking. Now you have to handle it yourself. Now the show is yours, right? So what we did was we saw it as an learning opportunity. A lot of people advised not to talk to investors for the first three months and just focus on the company. But we went a different way. We thought, okay, if I spend two hours on fundraising calls, because there was a lot of mails and every day I can reach out to, I can talk to a lot of investors, right? So I spent around one to two hours every day in funding calls. So they just try to understand what our business is, every investor, or they just try to understand who you are, right? Which helps us a lot. So when you start talking to them, you kind of realize what you are speaking and you kind of learn through that. So for the three months, we never stopped talking to investors, even if we you know, we had a lot of work. We worked extra, not even thinking about sleeping and stuff and you know, took this as a learning opportunity, speaking with investors. So we we had much of a background, what is pro-rata? e uh, stuff like that. How, how what exactly investors want to listen, or what exactly is what matters uh, in terms of business or a company's perspective. Earlier, we used to talk whatever we want because we don't know, right? So that is how it helped. And when the you know the time came as a demo day. Uh, obviously, uh, VC helped in terms of finalizing the offers and stuff. So yeah, in general, VC was entirely with us for the entire journey of uh, zero to one.
0: Just to contrast it, you've spoken a lot about the zero to one. How do you acquire customers now?
2: We have like four or five ways of uh, reaching out to users and acquiring them right now. First is obviously the users who came, you know, downloaded the app at that time. We reached out to them and, you know, they downloaded the app. The second was, you know, from that time itself, we were very much focused on building a teenager community. Teenager only community. There is no kind of community for teenagers right now in India. No company as a product is focusing on it, right? So what we did was we gathered around 50 to 60 young teenagers aged from 12 to 16 who were doing extraordinary in their lives. So they, these were very much of a micro-influencer in their network, right? Some people have more than, let's say, 30,000 Instagram followers or some teenagers, you know, uh, got a award from Prime Minister or someone is into car racing, at the age of 16 or someone is under 19 in cricket, stuff like that. So, like, you know, the teenagers with different culture as well as different interests. So, some has, you know, Ek hai hai ke, he knows more than 25 languages. So, all those guys, we, you know, uh, slowly and slowly now, right now, I guess it's more than 90 people in the community. So, we we, we had meetups with them, online meetings with them and they influenced the kids around them and we try to understand their... Uh, requirements, their behavior. And that is one kind of a acquisition channel. The third acquisition channel we're doing is again influencer marketing, but that doesn't come from the community. It comes from the fact that uh, we, we have access to around more than three to 400 influencers plus uh, teenager parents who, who are actually influencing people on social media. So we are just trying to showcase our mission, showcase our uh, vision through their channels but as of yet we are not into advertisements marketing we are we are doing pure organic right now until we get a decent number of uh, weekly active users once we reach that we believe that is what pm fit is known as and once that metric is achieved we can definitely uh, think about growth and you know rapid growth increasing that
0: how has recruiting changed how did you kind of build credibility because If I understand correctly, you now need to hire experts. It's kind of a more formal process. You have to worry more about regulation and and kind of growing in a more structured way. So how did you build that credibility? How are you able to recruit experts versus the way that you recruited before?
2: For us, it is a double-edged sword because uh, one thing you see is fintech regulated entity, a lot of fraud, security and stuff. And on the other side, you see teenagers, data protection laws. Uh, you just can't sell things directly to teenagers. For example, you can't sell flight tickets to teenagers who are less than 18. You can't open a bank account directly. You need a consent from parent first. So a lot of things like that, right? So obviously we need expertise. We need we need to follow the regulations. So uh, right now we don't have any expert in house. We are we are outsourcing it with very famous and renowned uh, legal uh, lawyers and agencies which help us. And obviously we work directly with the bank we hire young folks who think more crazy and unconventional things and uh, all across the domains of growth, design, product and engineering. As per the legal and uh, the regulatory part is concerned, me and some personally handle it and outsource everything what we can. There is no expert in house hiring right now.
1: What sort of advice would you have for other students who want to start the company and why did you make this decision? What would you advise people who are in college uh, thinking of starting companies? So my advice
2: would be very simple. First, uh, you have to come to a stage when you know you don't have much bothering reasons not to do it. Because you know, if obviously risk is there, obviously you have to take risk and bet on things. But at the same time, you have to define a metric here. metric I'll believe that you know this is the thing I want to do. I, so, for example, for you know, if I have to take up context, though college students who are in college, they have two options: either to go for a job or do a startup. They might have other options, but those are very rare. So, for the com, uh, majority of the crowd, either they do a job or either they they start. So, if they want to start, sitting in college or just after college, they need to be very sure themselves because if they are not sure, then they'll not be able to convince anyone. It, it's forget about investors you know, imagine you have to hire a lot of people, how would you expect them to believe in the idea which you are believing, right? First of all, you have to believe it thoroughly. You should have no single doubt for that. And you have to define a metric, a stage, will will be able to believe. Once you thoroughly believe in it, then you'll be able to, you know, make others believe through the idea. You have to believe first, then expect people to believe in it. So that is the simple thing I will advise, that if you believe in the problem, if you believe in your process, and if you think you are able to do that, you have all the three things sorted. Now you are ready to obviously uh, make investors believe in you, your idea, people who will join you later, and all the decisions you will take later will originate from it. You have to be totally sure about what you are doing. And for that, you have to, obviously, everyone will have different ways to do that. My way was to achieve a state where I have no reason not to do it. No reason including financial problems, including nobody will believe me, people will shout or people will laugh or I'll fail, I'm ready to fail or not. All those things you have to consider and have a clear answer for that.
1: I I think it it takes a lot of guts, honestly, and a lot of clear thinking, which is a little difficult to have when you're in college, especially when everyone is trying to do the same thing. I'll speak from my personal experience as well. When you yeah. have a lot of smart and talented people, they also tend to be insecure um, because they yeah. want to have a point. And going against the group is extremely hard. So I actually think that you've done something really fabulous and commendable. It takes yeah. a lot of, I mean, you're not yeah. giving you enough credit, I think. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, but
2: but if, if someone is planning to start, they have to think themselves as different from others. For Absolutely. sure. That is the first Absolutely.
1: step. Absolutely. Absolutely. you have to think differently yeah. yeah absolutely i I agree i think uh, the only way in life you can be successful is that you are different and you're right yeah uh, if you try to be the same as others, you're never going to have a difference. Yeah. and
2: i when i you know, when I talked to my friends about family and stuff, and you know when i at that time when YC was also not there, I was just you know thinking out people obviously laugh and people think he <laughs> saying? But I never compared myself to uh, maybe someone doing a job or, you know, someone in college, I always look up to founders, I look up to people who are already out there doing it, right? I always uh, see their habits, their thought process, their challenges. And when I used to explain this to my friends, they like, what do you compare kar hai apne? Kisi founder se, ya kisi, let's say, obviously marks kai, zhada, uh, alag level, but in general, someone doing a startup had done seed round or series A round, right? So I used to compare and you know, seek and learn from it and explain the same thing to our friends, which was uh, foolish for them. But that is how it helps, you have to see yourself differently, then only people will see you, right?
1: One final question that uh, we will now start asking our guests. What is that one piece of unfiltered advice that you brought got which made a great impact on you?
2: I would say never mix personal with professional. That is the big thing. Uh, So it, it is a very general tendency to, you know, take things personally while you are in college or while you are starting up and you are expecting your friends. So at the same time, you know, you see that initially you think that what you hire And when you start working with them, personal things come up because you know them personally, right? So keeping a right balance between personal and professional things helps us a lot. It like magnifies the entire efficiency, productivity, your approach. You don't have to worry about personal things or getting personally affected to it and all the decisions to take, it's all professional. For example, if I hired someone at that time and we were 2-3 people, I always was, don't come and join the company for me. Believe in the idea and, you know, see yourself as working for FAMPAY, even if
1: I'm not there. I, I know I put you on the spot, but that was a wonderful answer. It, it was very direct and useful feedback for people. And I think this is something we all can take away from this conversation. now,
0: quick summary of what we discussed with Kush, the founder of Fampay. Kush knew he wanted to start a company instead of looking for a job when he graduated. He had to convince himself that his idea would work. So he built a first version just to start testing it. He convinced a payment provider to let him use his API for a beta test and started actually collecting money from people. Once he was convinced, he had to then convince everyone else that it could work. He had to build some credibility. So what did he do? He decided to go out and get users with the help of interns. He knew that he needed to get some traction to get some users on his platform in order to prove to the world that his idea would work. He got 2,500 people with the help of his team and a few interns. But he wanted to do even better. The team built a referral program that got them from 2,500 to over 10,000 users in just three days. When asked if he has any advice for founders who want to start their company straight out to school, he said simply first convince yourself that your idea would work. It's different what that means for everyone, but it's important for you to define what that means for you. And only if you really believe in your startup can you convince investors, employees, and your customers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Founders Unfiltered. I've got a favor to ask you. Will you take a minute to review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening? Thank you.